I don't feel right if I don't move first thing in the morning. Okay. It's very strange. And I mean, my, <laughs> I, I like to, I, there's this sense about being out there before everyone else is yeah. awake that I really love. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of sets the tone for the rest of the day for me. This is episode number 53 with Amelia Boone. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, medical student and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. My guest in this episode is Amelia Boone, who is a full-time corporate attorney and somehow also manages to be one of the world's most decorated obstacle racers. Since the sport's inception five years ago, she's amassed more than 30 victories and 50 podiums, including three world's toughest mutter titles and a Spartan Race World Championship. I've admired Amelia's drive and success in balancing her athletic and legal careers, and I've looked to her as an inspiration for my own journey competing in the CrossFit Games while in medical school. I was so glad to finally have the opportunity to sit down with her and get to know her a little bit near her home in the San Francisco Bay Area. We definitely had a lot to talk about. We discuss everything from her upbringing to how she got into obstacle course racing, how she's used CrossFit to train for races, and how she's grown through a major injury that kept her from racing last year. Before we get started, I have a few quick reminders for you. First of all, thank you to all of you who checked out my subscription program with Pure Pharma that I launched in the last episode. Now you can learn a little bit more about the program at my website, www.juliefouché.com forward slash Pure Pharma. With this month's subscription, I'm talking about my personal approach and the process I use for goal setting. I'd also like to ask that if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a rating. I'm always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. To check out my online training programs through Beyond the Whiteboard, visit www.beyondthewhiteboard.com forward slash Julie Fouché. Finally, please remember that although I'm very close to graduation from medical school, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So with that, let's get started here with episode number 53 of Pursuing Health featuring Amelia Boone. Well, welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm really excited to be here with Amelia Boone. Really excited to finally meet you in person. I'm a huge fan, and I have so many questions for you. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm, I'm equally excited to be here. So so cool. We could actually finally meet yes. connect in person. Absolutely. Well, why don't we start with the beginning? I know you weren't a runner early on. So what were you like as a kid? What kind of things were you into? Yeah, I was I was a kid that was kind of a jack of all trades type of athlete. Okay. So I was pretty good at everything I picked up, mm-hmm. but I was never the all-star and you know, the super best person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played a lot of different sports, but it was all team sports and it was okay. all soccer, softball. Softball was actually my primary sport, which people find oh. funny because they, they don't, <laughs> they don't see me as a softball yeah. player, but I pitched for a really long time. Oh, that's cool. So that was, I have no throwing abilities whatsoever. <laughs> so I'm very envious of that. It's actually, it's, it's funny. It's one of those things where I'm like, Oh, I know I can do that. I love going out and playing rec softball still yeah. if I can get the chance, but yeah. So I, I was active and I always kind of a kid in sports, but mm-hmm. I never, I never really thought about playing beyond or, you know, playing into college mm-hmm. or anything like that. So it was more of just kind of the fun, fun for me. A fun thing. Did you, when did you actually start running or did you ever run for fun when you were younger? Yeah. I think when I was, when I was young, when I was playing, when I was playing sports, we would mm-hmm. run as as a team right or conditioning during the summer and whatnot and so just and just growing up in Oregon and being outside we did a lot of hiking as a family mm-hmm. and so I would I would go out and run but I never really understood anything about it I didn't know okay. what a tempo run was I didn't know I didn't you know even when once the watches came out and all the technology mm-hmm. like I didn't ever time pace or anything like right. that so it was just 
it was to just move my body. And during law school, I think it was to really just to get out there and have like a stress release mm-hmm. for a little bit, you know? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So at what point did you then start doing some races? Yeah, I actually wasn't until I graduated law school and I went to uh, work at a law firm in Chicago and had a coworker come up to me and say, ah, have you seen this thing called a Tough Mudder? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> and he pulls it up online and we look at it and he's like, I want to get a group of us to do it. And so that was in like, the winter of 2010 okay. and that we signed up for one that summer. And so I spent six months trying to train and figure oh, out okay. how I could build upper body strength to yeah. be able to do monkey bars and things like that. And I actually ran a half marathon in preparation for that. And that was the longest I had ever run. And then that was actually to this day, the only road race that I've ever run. Interesting. (laughs) And so I started the obstacle (laughs) racing and just fell in love and decided to go that direction. That's amazing. So you actually did at that point train for it. When you first saw what it was, what were your thoughts? Did you think like, oh, this is totally me? Or was it just, oh, I'll try this one race and then see what happens? It was definitely the latter. I didn't okay. think that, I thought it would be fun mm-hmm. and it would be an experience, but I didn't actually think it was something that I would want to really continue doing because mm-hmm. I didn't, I was actually really bad at first. <laughs> it's funny, you don't realize when you're, when you're, you know, late twenties or something, you're a grown adult, Mm -hmm. how hard, simple things like controlling your own body weight can be. Mm -hmm. So you grow up doing monkey bars on the playground and you think no big deal, or you grow up climbing a rope and then you get up there. And I remember, and I fell off right away. And it was just this, this feeling like, really, (laughs) really? Like, I feel like I'm in like an okay shape, (laughs) but I can't even hang from a bar. Wow. And so to me, it was kind of this wake up call that, there was this new challenge and it was something and I didn't want to, I'm a perfectionist like Mm -hmm. a lot of people and I wanted to be good at something. So it became my mission. (laughs) So it was more the challenge that drew you in. Okay. And what did you think after your first race? I adored it. Like absolutely adored it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so cool for me because I always kind of poo-pooed running races, road races, because I always thought, why would I pay money to go Mm. run a certain distance? And it seems boring. But with obstacle races, it was running and then broken up by a little task and then running again. And it was up and down mountains and ski slopes. And it was just interesting. It was Mm -hmm. beautiful and beautiful terrain. And so everything about it just kind of drew me in. Interesting. And for people listening that maybe haven't done any of these races, can you just explain what they are and Mm -hmm. like once you get to a competitive level like you're at what the landscape looks like in terms of races and what are the big ones that you train for yeah so basically obstacle racing is this term that when I started nobody ever actually we didn't know what to call it (laughs) there was it's still so new it's crazy how quickly it's grown it's very it's funny to when I was looking at at it's very similar to CrossFit over the last five ten years how quickly these things have grown. Exactly. And I think that that's, I think it was a few years after CrossFit started gaining in popularity. And mm-hmm. so we've kind of tracked the rise of the mm-hmm. two. And actually a lot of people use, including myself, use CrossFit to train for obstacle mm-hmm. racing because most people don't have a big obstacle course in their right. backyard. <laughs> so you kind of mimic some of the movements. But so yeah, so Spartan Race and Tough Mudder are really the two big Okay. Uh, races and they are race series and basically the lengths range from everything from a three mile sprint to uh, the longest one which is world's toughest mutter which is a 24 hour race where you run as many laps as you can in 24 (laughs) hours and uh, you know there a lot of them are on on mountains um, Mm -hmm. so you're going up and down uh, trails and different terrain and so there are big series every year and it's it's now become a very competitive circuit and people have quit jobs to do this full time. And people Mm -hmm. are, it's, it's very much track the rise across, but not to the same extent. Um, like it's, there's not as much opportunity, I think to be a full-time professional athlete in it yet, but it's, it's definitely, it's getting there. It's crazy. That's really crazy. And so you start training, you love the challenge how did you start then training for these races or how did your daily kind of exercise regimen start to change as you had this as your focus? 
Yeah. So I made a goal after the first race that I needed to be able to do a single pull up because it was really sad to me and I couldn't do it. And I had spent six, seven months trying to do a pull up. Mm -hmm. And I actually, and I, for some reason, just, it couldn't click. So I actually finally bit the bullet. I had resisted it for a long time Mm -hmm. because, you know, I thought it was kind of I wasn't quite sure what to think of it. It was kind of expensive, but I actually joined CrossFit gym mm-hmm. and then I started doing, getting, doing, doing a, <laughs> I started getting into CrossFit and within weeks I was able to do pull-ups. Wow. That's amazing. And it was just like, things started to click. What do you and think started, it was? Do you think it was just the environment or practicing think, them more often or what Yeah, I think it was it? the environment. I think it was also learning the training, knowing, doing the negatives or things like okay. that. Things that when you first when I was just trying to do a pull-up, I was using like a weight assist mm-hmm. machine and I didn't mm-hmm. really know, I didn't really have a plan or okay. things like that. But actually learning from the people around me who mm-hmm. had been there and, and, and been a beginner okay. and then how they went to do that and how okay. they were able to do that. And so for me, that was huge in building the upper body strength right. to be able to do things like get over walls and a lot of the obstacles, you know, you got to climb a rope and, in a in a obstacle course. Yeah. And so things that you do in the CrossFit gym. So you carry heavy sandbags up mm-hmm. and down a mountain. Um, and yeah. Wow. So at that point you're doing CrossFit a couple of days a week, you're running in there mm-hmm. too, or what is your kind of weekly training look like at that point? Yeah. At that point I was living in Chicago, which isn't the greatest city for running unless you, <laughs> you've one long, you have 18 miles of the lakefront path, which okay. is beautiful, but it's yeah. flat as a pancake. And, and winter is probably pretty tough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> probably blow right away. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I've had some really nasty <laughs> runs in the middle of the winter. Um, but so I actually did a lot as a, not as much running, but a lot of time on the big step mill at the gyms to build the endurance and build the leg strength for the mountains. And I would try and find hills in Chicago to run Mm because those were important, but I ended up running, um, parking structures. Okay. And there were a few overpasses were the biggest hills Mm -hmm. that I had. So, but yeah, it was kind of a mix of CrossFit and, and then some running and a lot of the climbing on step mills, walking on an mm-hmm. incline, things like that. Wow. Just work with what you have, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta make do. When I moved out to the Bay Area, I was like, the hills, the trails. <laughs> this is amazing. This is so great. <laughs> it's like a whole new world. Yeah. Wow. And you're known for waking up really early to start doing your training. You yes. say, I think I've heard you say like 4 a.m. is your usual wake up time. Have you always woken up early, even before? all of this or is that just what you have to do to get your training in a bit of both I was always I've always been a morning person and I was actually one of those kids growing up that I think my parents wanted to murder me because (laughs) I didn't take naps and I didn't I was wanted to go to bed really early and I wanted to wake up really early Mm -hmm. so it's been kind of just how I function and I don't feel right if I don't move first thing in the morning okay it's very strange and I mean my (laughs) I I like to I, there's this sense about being out there before everyone else is yep. awake that I really love. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of sets the tone for the rest of the day for me. And so it's, and also it, it, I realized when I started working as an attorney is that it's the one time where I know I won't really be bothered right. that there, you know, there, no one's going to be asking for a contract at five o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, but if you leave your training until the end of the day, then it's really easy right. just to stick around the office and to get distracted by other things, et cetera, et cetera. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's very impressive to me. I wouldn't say I'm in morning. I like to be up early, but I'm not, I've never really liked training in the morning. Okay. I feel like I need time to wake up. And then once I have to be somewhere, early enough that like 6am would be like my earliest training time. And up before that, I can't really fathom moving around. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. I can get up and run really early in the morning. Uh If I'm going to lift, that's harder. And I actually think there's a lot of, I can't, I remember, you know, trying to do heavy back squats Mm -hmm. at 5am being like, this is not working. (laughs) Not working right now. (laughs) We'll save this for the evening. So (laughs) yeah. Oh, that's cool. And you obviously mentioned you're an attorney, you know, that's one of the also really cool things I think about you and that is so fascinating to me as I'm still in school, but, um, how you balance the two and how 
you probably could have, I mean, you're at the point where you have all these opportunities. You probably could say, Oh, maybe I'll just work part time or maybe I'll take Mm -hmm. a break, but you're, that's not what you're all about. And it's, you are still putting your career as an attorney really high up. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that and that decision process? Yeah, I think, I mean, when I first started this, there was no, it was just a hobby. It was just, and then things came along, sponsorships came along and, and, you know, I started winning races and it was, it was really cool. And I love that. But for me, what I've always said is that this has been, racing has been my stress release. Mm. It's been my outlet. And the moment you turn that into, that's the thing that's going to put, that's going to pay rent. Mm -hmm. That's going to put food on your table. Mm -hmm. I think it changes the character of what you do. And then I also just really, I mean, I love being an attorney. I love the mental exercise Mm -hmm. of it. And there's something to me about the challenge of juggling it all, you know, and, and I'm sure you can probably relate (laughs) to that too, because it's not a perfect fit because I'm sure that there are times where you have to put training aside Mm -hmm. and, and focus on school and, and then vice versa. And so to me, it's this continual challenge to, to see what I can do with Mm -hmm. it. No, it's so true. That juggle is so interesting. But for me, it's interesting watching you because I, during my first year of med school was the really the only year that I truly did both full time. Mm -hmm. And it was probably one of the hardest years of my life. And at one point I did have to make that, you know, I remember talking to my mom and saying her saying, you know, you could, you don't have to do this. You could, you know, you could quit right now or you could drop out of medical school. We're still going to love you. It's going to be fine. But then for me at that point, it became about the challenge and trying Mm -hmm. to show people that it was possible and then it became more fun again, I think. But after that, I really did a lot of juggling back and forth. Like this one is more important this year. This is the more important the next year. Um, because doing in that, in that year, it really was only about training or school and there was nothing else in my life. And at times I just felt like I was going to go crazy. Like I just needed to chill out and go out with my friends or something. Exactly. So <laughs> do you, how do you balance that? Do you ever, do, do you have, do time I have to, a life? <laughs> do you have time to just like do nothing or to do something besides those yeah. two things? It's interesting. I, I tell <laughs> people, you know, I, you make sacrifices. As right. I'm sure you know, when, when you try, when you try and juggle those things and mm-hmm. you, you know, almost like two full-time careers, but I think I've done a pretty good job of, of maintaining some balance. You know, mm-hmm. I just came from a wedding this weekend is I, I still can get out and yep. do social things. I think it also helps that a lot of my friends have become, or a lot of my racing buddies have mm-hmm. become friends. Yep. And so your social outlets are almost being at races on the weekends and building time around that. Mm -hmm. And they're your training partners early in the morning. There's, um, you know, some runners up here in, in Marin that'll come up and run with on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not always a perfect fit. Right. And I'm not going out and partying until 2am, but I was (laughs) never that person anyway. So (laughs) not missing much now. (laughs) I'm not like, Oh, shucks. Right. (laughs) No, that's so true. I think it, I've noticed the same thing as my best friends now are people I've met from the gym and, Mm -hmm. you know, even just being able to spend time with them is so fun. So it's very, it's a very good point. How did it change? I mean, you said having your full-time job still helps you keep racing more fun and less pressure, but I have to imagine there was still an increase in the pressure as Mm -hmm. you started to have success in the sport. I think that's actually been one of the hardest things for me because Mm -hmm. you try to not pressure on yourself, Mm -hmm. but everyone always says like, you know, it's hard. The cliche thing is hard to get to the top. It's even harder to stay there. Mm -hmm. And so once I had won, you know, I had won world's toughest mutter. I had won Spartan race world championship. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you have that target on your back. Right. And you feel that. And even if you tell yourself, you're not you're not like, ah, it's okay. Like, you know, just going to have fun out there, (laughs) but you know, everyone's gunning for you and you kind of feel these expectations. And I'll be completely honest. It, it, in a lot of ways, it, it took the fun away from a lot of the sport in Mm -hmm. some, in some aspects. So it was kind of trying to, to maintain that Mm -hmm. and to hold on to that. Mm -hmm. And I actually, you know, I reached a point this about a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. where I, I was like, 
do I really enjoy this? You know, I'm like, is the pressure right. getting to me? And it was actually injury and having, and ha- being forced to take a step back mm-hmm. where you all of a sudden, where I was able to reframe my relationship with it mm-hmm. as well and, and have a, a bunch of gratitude really for just being able to be out there and I'm sure you can relate to with the injury <laughs> stuff, but yeah. Yeah. No, I want to talk more about that because I think that's so powerful and you see it all the time where it's mm-hmm. injury or it's setback that really helps people gain perspective or really understand why they're doing it or what they love about their sport. Can you just talk, well, first tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. the injury and what you've been going through the last, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, almost <laughs> A year, almost a year. God, man. (laughs) Yeah. So I was, so I was riding high at the end of last year, Mm -hmm. um, and then started to get more into ultra racing. So not just, or just started long trail races. So I was training for, I had qualified for Western States, which is the big, which is a huge deal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Of a hundred milers in ultra running. And I was training for that. Yeah. And, um, got a little bit overzealous. I mean, if I can look back now and Mm -hmm. think of all the mistakes that I made along the way and thought I was doing things fine and blah, 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 but ended up with a stress fracture in my femur, which is a really hard bone. Yeah. It's a big bone. It's a big bone. People (laughs) are like, couldn't you just get a normal one like in your foot? Uh, and it actually ended up being a very big fracture. So it took a very long time to heal. Mm -hmm. So that was, I was on crutches for about three and a half months. And if you've ever been on crutches for that amount of time, the compensatory issues that you, uh, that you get from crutches are, are awful. Um, and so that knocked me out, obviously knocked me out of, of Western States. It took me out of the entire obstacle racing season. Mm -hmm. And I've, in September, I finally, you know, got off crutches, got the all clear, got really gung ho and wanted so badly to come back for the right. end of the championship season and ended up with a second stress fracture in my sacrum uh. and, uh, which then knocked me out for another three months. Okay. So I have been coming back from that mm-hmm. and <laughs> knock on wood going well this time, <laughs> but it's one of those things where you just and stress-related injuries, you feel like it's it's all your fault, you mm-hmm. know, and that sense of guilt that I've been dealing with mm-hmm. this past year um, and trying to learn from those mistakes and the training mistakes mm-hmm. going forward uh, has been, I mean, it's it's been, it's been awful, but it's been probably the best experience for me because I feel like it will make me a stronger athlete in the end. And I right. hate saying that now because yeah. when this happened, everyone <laughs> told me, they go, you're going to come back stronger. stronger. <laughs> and I just wanted to smack everyone, everyone. Right. So, yeah. But I'm finally to that point where I see that now and right. realizing that, you know, I am I'm 33, which I don't feel like is old, but I can't, I don't recover like a 20 year old mm-hmm. anymore. So, yeah. Definitely. You had some really, I was reading your blog (laughs) and so you had some really amazing quotes on there. I wanted to read one. Well, I wanted to, okay. This one where you were talking about, um, just kind of the mental toughness and how much, actually that is one question is how much of what you do do you think is the mental toughness versus the physical? Because those races are. I, I feel from my standpoint, having never done one, it looks like it's mostly mental. <laughs> yeah. It's, I always, I think the longer the race gets, the more mental it is for yeah. sure. Uh, in a race like world's toughest mutter, which is 24 hours. I always say the first 12 hours is mm-hmm. physical. The second 12 hours is purely mental. Yeah. It's just gutting through it. So I, I think that it's, it's definitely the longer it gets. It's the, here's a huge mental aspect mm-hmm. of just, getting through it. And unfortunately that sometimes means ignoring pain signals, Right? But, hey, you know, we all do that. Right. Maybe just to a bigger degree. But at one point you said, I mistakenly started to believe that I could make my body do anything as long as the mind was willing. Mm-hmm. And at that point you were just talking about maybe pushing yourself too hard. Like you just mentioned, kind of pushing yourself through pain or not listening yeah. to what your body was trying to tell you. Um, and then the other one that I really loved was, so this is after your injury and you're talking about the process that you've gone through the last few months. You said, when I can't use my legs to do the talking, I have to use my voice. 
When I can't run from my demons, I have to confront them head on. And when I can't list podiums and accolades to prove my self-worth, I have to accept and realize that I'm worthy of love regardless of my race results. And more importantly, worthy of loving and being kind and patient with myself. Mm. That's amazing. Thank you. Like, can you just reflect on that a little bit or talk about what what you've learned from this experience, from this injury experience? Yeah, I mean, so many things, but I think really it's easy to be on top. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's hard because people, you have that pressure, sure. but it's fun pe- when it's you're fun. winning everything. It's fun and, and life is easy and you don't have to question things mm-hmm. and you know, you don't really have to sit there and dig down deep, but like, and everyone's paying attention to you and you get love and things mm-hmm. showered on you and mm-hmm. people want you here and there and so, and so, and as soon as that's taken away, and so you start to actually measure your self-worth sometime based on podiums, mm-hmm. based on victories. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have that, I think it really forces you, it forces me to dig deep into, okay, if I take this all away tomorrow, Mm -hmm. if I walk away from the sport, am I still going to feel like an okay person? Or have I got, have I had so much of my identity wrapped up in this that I'm no longer going to be able to function. I no longer know how to find value in myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, this entire process this past year, of I was at every single race still on the sidelines, mm-hmm. cheering people on. And I finally started to be able to see the sport through a different perspective from people who not necessarily were were winning the races, but they were out there struggling through people. You know, I went out there with a, a group of uh a group of, um, some combat veterans, people Mm -hmm. that had lost amputees, lost limbs, and it takes them eight or nine hours to Mm -hmm. finish a course, but it's a different type of victory. Yeah. And so for me, it's been, and you did that on your crutches, correct? Which is amazing. (laughs) I'm sure anyone listening who's been on crutches for any period of time can just appreciate that and be in awe of that. (laughs) Yeah. It was up and down a mountain. I, it probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but let's be honest as I've proven time and time again, yeah. not exactly the smartest person, <laughs> but it was really meaningful. And it was by yeah, far the, the that, best thing that I've, that I've done and so lucky to share that. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, this entire year has given me perspective. Mm-hmm. And then it's also forced me to kind of dig down deep and, you know, really get in touch with the body mm-hmm. and things like that. And to, learn to respect it and love it. And I think that so many of us now have gotten into this more is better Mm -hmm. and beast mode is better. And every workout has to be an epic workout. Cause you see like, you know, people post pictures of their ripped and bloody hands or things like that. So intense. Nobody's taking pictures (laughs) of their epic rest days. Right. You know? (laughs) So I think that, that, you know, that learning process has been really important for me. Okay. Looking forward, how is your training changing or how do you think it will be different? Yeah, I definitely will be taking more. I will actually be incorporating way more rest than I have before. I think we went through whenever, whenever a female has a stress fracture, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure you know this in medical profession is that the internet doctors come out and try and tell you (laughs) everything that you have done wrong. And how are your calcium levels? How are your vitamin D? Have you checked X, Y, and Z? They're asking you about your period. And you're like, who are you? Random person on the internet. (laughs) And, but you start to, you start to feel like, Oh, what's wrong with me? And what have I done wrong? And it's this stigma and Mm -hmm. it's awful. Mm -hmm. And so I think I've been, you know, trying to cope with that and, and, uh, realize that I'm not a bad person, even though what everyone, like we make mistakes and we get overzealous sometimes. Yeah. It's so funny on the same thing and not to that degree, but with my Achilles, it's the same thing. You think like, Oh, people are analyzing, you know, my workout results on beyond the whiteboard. Like you didn't do enough box jumps this year. You did too many box jumps or like this or that. I actually remember that with your Achilles. And I remember the, with the CrossFit games and, and seeing people talk about that. I'm like, really? (laughs) Which, you know, I know. And I even, it's so funny because I, I talked to Kelly Starrett afterwards and I had seen him maybe a year before he was doing a seminar at our gym and he specifically looked at my foot and he was like, that's a problem because he saw like I had a little it was like a it's called a Haglund's deformity and I knew because my I my planners 
like fascia had been bothering me. My Achilles would bother me from time to time and I would do things that would kind of keep it at bay. I really wouldn't do a lot of box jumps. I would mostly be doing step downs unless Mm -hmm. it was a competition or I'd do a few just to try to keep up my ability. But like I knew it was kind of inevitable and like, yes, there's things that I probably could have done to, to make it better, but I was in a competition mode and I was going for it and that's what we do. (laughs) Yeah. And you start, and you start to be able to justify or think things through like, for instance, with the, with the femur, like I have a fully torn labrum in that hip. Mm. So I've always dealt with weird psoas issues. So I was just like, it's just my psoas acting up. And then finally you're like, Oh no, it's not my psoas. It's my bone. (laughs) Or then, you know, afterwards when I came off of crutches and then the left side started feeling weird and like my left piriformis Mm -hmm. and everyone just kept telling me like, Oh, it's just your body evening and out getting Mm -hmm. used to being bipedal again. And so you, it's so easy as an athlete to kind of justify and to rationalize these little aches and pains. Right. And then, so for me now, I realize like, I can't, like, if there's a niggle, you shut it down, <laughs> like not you worth shut it. it down <laughs> and you take it slow and steady. Cause it's not worth, no. you know, the experience again. So that's good. So a much more listening to your body approach, more rest. Um, what do you like to do for rest days? I, <laughs> nothing is that no, actually uh, real rest it's actually amazing. real rest because <laughs> here's the other thing is that everyone and I did this too yeah they're like oh well it's in it's not I don't I don't function well with rest days I like to have <laughs> some active recovery right and then you know an hour swim later they're <laughs> like oh it's a great rest day <laughs> yeah so I think what's funny is that and this is what I've learned everyone fe- people say always say well I feel awful coming off of rest days uh-huh. yes you should the next day back, you're like going to be sluggish and things like yeah. that. That's why I work with a running coach and he's great is that we have rest day. And the next day is always a very easy run mm. to kind of ease back into okay. it. So I actually do firmly believe in the laying on the couch, being comatose, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. foam rolling, maybe, you know, that kind right. of stuff, mobility stuff, but that kind of rest day, I think it's necessary. You know, there are great mm-hmm. active recovery days too, but I think that we people tend to blur the two. Right. So where it's that, especially in CrossFit, you just go into the gym like, Oh, I'm just going to row a little bit or stretch. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're in the middle of Fran or doing, <laughs> something. doing some crazy hero wad. You're right. Like, oh, sure. You need a partner. Yeah. I'll jump in. <laughs> no big yeah, deal. We are, yeah. We are definitely addicted to <laughs> exercising. Um, on that note, kind of talking about the rise of CrossFit and of obstacle mm-hmm. course racing. Um, I know in CrossFit, a lot of times people are in the media. People are always like CrossFit's so dangerous, mm-hmm. whatever. Do you hear that much with obstacle course racing or is there a similar kind of, it's obviously very intense. You're jumping over fire. Mm-hmm. You're in electricity. There's a lot of potential for danger, for danger right? <laughs> but do you hear that a lot or is it just, that's kind of what, you know, getting yourself into it. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I think with, so with CrossFit, I feel like there are people that's more, it's dangerous because you're moving heavy loads mm-hmm. quickly and there's a lot of potential for, you know, overuse injuries, things like that. With obstacle course racing, there is potential for traumatic injuries for mm-hmm. sure. You know, I've, I've banged up my ankle. I've fallen down things. People roll things Mm -hmm. in the course, jumping down off a wall. Mm -hmm. But surprisingly, it's not... The injury rate in it is pretty low in an actual course. Mm. And I don't know if it's bad just because adrenaline... You have so much adrenaline Mm -hmm. that you actually are just... Everything is firing. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually pretty safe. But what we don't know, and it's probably true with CrossFit too, is that it hasn't been around long enough for us to know the long-term effects on the body. Right. And the fact that we tend to over race, uh, when you can Mm -hmm. race every single weekend, you can race a Spartan race every single weekend Mm -hmm. if you want to, Mm -hmm. and you may feel okay physically a few days later, but the accumulation and just the different twisting the turn, people don't realize too, you get cut up, super cut up, barbed wire scars. My knees were constantly bleeding. And even that creates a lot of inflammation in the body that, you know, is your body trying to heal itself? So a part of me, when I look back at this past year where everything, just my body just seemed to fall apart. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's these past five years of mm. just hitting it really hard right. and never really taking an off season. So 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and your body finally just being like, I need a rest. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> Give me a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you talked a little bit earlier about what it has been like for you to watch this season and being on the sidelines. Um, and something else I think you had written about on your blog was just being able to really genuinely be cheering for the other people out there and be like trying to help them do their best and how rewarding that was for you because it's so true. I think when we're competing, the focus is, it has to be on you. Like it's almost like you have to be a little bit selfish because you want to make sure you're doing your best out there and you're putting your most into your training and it's hard to be worrying about what other people are doing and that can be really rewarding. And I think it reminded me of kind of my first injury experience was actually when I was in high school and I broke my foot in the middle of gymnastics season and I knew that I ended up not being able to compete that season and it was devastating because mm -hmm. of course, you know, gymnastics is my life and that was just terrible. But as soon as I think I remember talking to one of my teachers about it and they said, you know, you have a choice. You can either be upset about it and, you know, be sad, feel sad for yourself, or you can make the best of the situation. And so I spent the rest of the season really trying to be the best teammate I could be and cheer people on. And I think that is what set me up to be able to handle other setbacks so well later in life. And like when my Achilles happened to be able to really quickly kind of put things into perspective, um, even though I was obviously devastated again, but it's so, and once my, you know, once the Achilles injury had happened, I felt like I could really genuinely be cheering for all the other girls out there. Mm -hmm. And it was so rewarding. And you, you think about it and you're like, why don't I, why can't I <laughs> why normally do, do this? Because <laughs> they're not my competitors yeah. right now. No, but I think it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely true. It's given me that kind of that perspective and, and mm -hmm. stepping back and, and being able to connect with people and to really just feel grateful for, to be mm -hmm. in the environment. And, I think that's something that sometimes we take, we take for granted when you're singularly right. focused on that next race. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, you talked about your training going forward. Where are you at in the recovery process? Are you back to running? Are you yeah, looking so, at, ahead at races yeah, at all? Or are you just yeah, kind yeah. of taking it day by day? I know you oh, probably no. don't like this question. No, it's, <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's hard because you, it's the recovery and I'm sure that, you know, you know, it's two step forward, one step back yep. type of dance. And, mm -hmm. and I think what's the <laughs> side note, it's interesting. I think more people have now reached out to me about recovery and rehab and injury and ever. Oh, yeah. It's such a common experiment experience oh, yes. with people yes. and like everyone, we all go through it. And so it's something that kind of binds us all together and gives mm -hmm. us that perspective. But yeah, so I was on a return to running program and doing really well. I actually was attacked by dogs a few weeks ago when I was running. Oh my goodness. And I knocked over and hit knee on concrete. So I've had to take a step back That's while my terrifying. knee heals a little bit okay but I should be good to go you know like we're yeah. so it just it, what's track. scary is that like I was doing great and then all of a sudden you get knocked off off of some like yeah and it's like not your own fault yeah. and now I'm like wait 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 wait, 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 wait wait if you knew dogs what I just been through this past year <laughs> do not do this to me <laughs> but yeah so no we're we're on track uh and uh hoping so really I think it's going to kind of depend on how it unfolds, but probably starting back up in racing in April, okay. May, so spring. Um, but I don't know. It's one of those things that feels so rusty. It's scary. But it, um, it's, I think the, it's sound, it's so scary, but the process of coming back, I think is so rewarding mm -hmm. and seeing how far you come. And I mean, from you, from being on a crutches for that long, probably losing all of your muscle in your leg. Yeah. It's, I mean, so dramatic to be able to come back from that, I think. And it's scary. Like I know when I took a year off, I was terrified. I was like, all the girls are going to be so far ahead of me. How am right. I ever going to make this up? And I wasn't injured, but it was just a little step back in training, but coming back, you surprise yourself. And it's more, it's almost kind of more fun, I think, because you see the improvements constantly. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, once you're kind of in your peak training shape, it's harder to see those. So yeah, that's true. And I mean, at this point with, you know, lost all muscle mass loss and with a lot of things I couldn't even do upper body with it. And so it was just like, all right, I'm going to just going to start over blank slate mm -hmm. and, and go back to all of this, uh, and 
have that fun in that rebuilding process and try and see those little victories. Absolutely. So who is on your team now? You have a coach or people helping you with your rehab? Yeah. So I have a lot of doctors now. Yeah, I do. I work with a running coach. He's based out of here out of the Bay area, David Roach. Um, just because from the running aspect of it, Mm -hmm. I realize I need somebody not so much to make sure that I'm running enough, Mm -hmm. but to make sure that I'm not running too Too much. much. Right. Just because I would go out there for miles every day Mm -hmm. and just be in nature and have fun Mm -hmm. and it would be too much. Um, so yeah, so work with a coach there and then I have, you know, various, various soft tissue people that kind of help keep me together and running and and they're fantastic. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much the extent of it. Okay. (laughs) And then you've been working on these imbalances from being on Mm -hmm. the crutches and things. Are you doing a lot of physical therapy or yeah corrective Uh, exercises (laughs) I feel like I could have enough physical therapy exercises that I could do them for 24 hours (laughs) a day like all day long people (laughs) always ask me they say what have you been doing with all your free time since you haven't been able to train and I go physical therapy exercises take longer than training yeah so um yeah so been in a lot of physical therapy I work with a a great um sports kind of chiropractor down out of the South Bay, uh, Dr. Brink. And he's been helping me with a lot of the imbalances and we've been doing actually a lot of, uh, animal type of movements. So a lot of crawling, a lot of that Mm -hmm. type of flow patterns Mm -hmm. to keep, get the body moving all together. Cause you know, your body gets in these patterns Mm -hmm. and it's not so much, I can sit there and do clamshells and glute meat exercises all day long and I have buns of steel (laughs) but when it comes to actually firing in the correct pattern that it's still there's still that disconnect that you have to reestablish yeah and how do you do you do anything during the day if you're at a desk all day or you're working do you do anything to make sure you're body is moving or you're not, you know, reinforcing yeah. bad habits because I know for me sitting on my laptop all day has caused me a lot of <laughs> problems. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually, if you had a, could see my office, it's hilarious. It's like a torture tool device. Cause I have okay. a, a, like a rumble roller sitting there. Mm-hmm. I've got different, um, Airx pads. I've got all my mobility tools there. Got so, it. and I do have a sit stand desk. And that's so nice. that's been, that's been really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, with a broken femur, I couldn't really right. utilize that. But, um, so that's, that's, I try and keep moving. I get up and I drink so much water that I have mm-hmm. to pee every 30 minutes anyway. Mm-hmm. So I make sure that I get up and move and things like that. So definitely, but yeah, the sitting is, sitting is awful. Yeah. It's, it's so awful. So sometimes <laughs> I feel like I was on a six hour flight last night and I was just like, I'm more pain this morning right. than if I had run a oh, hundred yeah. miles. <laughs> no, for me, I've been traveling the last week and my hips have been so tight. Yeah. I can just, you know, I can tell it's crazy, but you don't realize when you're at home, you get up at least and move around a little bit in between. So right. it's not so bad. And you didn't have a coach the first several years that you were running, correct? No. What? I- when, at what point did you say, okay, maybe I need to have a coach? <laughs> I think, well, it was definitely when I qualified for Western States okay. and I realized, okay, I'm going to run a hundred miles and I've never run a hundred miles before. And I need to kind of figure this out. Okay. And cause I had always just made up my training on the fly mm-hmm. and which probably wasn't, and I would go into the gym with CrossFit and I would do what was programmed mm-hmm. that day and just do everything a group way and I don't know maybe maybe me doing things on the fly worked out just fine but I mean you did have yeah. a lot of success doing that so exactly it's kind of amazing I mean do most people have coaches in the obstacle race world or no yeah there are more and more there are people that are offering coaching mm-hmm. I, I mean when I started there wasn't right. but now there's like obstacle specific coaches a lot of the top obstacle racing athletes actually offer their own okay programs but uh, so they are coaches themselves and, you know, I've had people ask me and I'm like, I, I would have no, I, you, you don't You're... want to be coached by me because <laughs> I'm like, I have barely time to be a functional human being right. and, and keep my house plants alive, <laughs> which I don't have any cause they're all dead. So don't have time to be a coach, but right. <laughs> you have a few other things that you're doing. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, but interesting and really cool to see how it's evolved in the same, you know, sort of the same thing, how CrossFit has evolved over the, over the years with coaching and yeah. 
programming and it's fun to fun to watch so yeah. i'm I have been saying for years now that I need to do a Spartan race, but I really need to do one now. Well, okay. So I remember you crushed that, the military, the the Pendleton Pendleton course. course. And I mean, there obviously there's a lot of running in between it, but I I feel like we would all be, (laughs) I feel like you'd give us all a run for, maybe I don't want you to Uh, run. No, no, no. I, um, it's so funny because in CrossFit, I was more known as a longer distance. Yeah athlete but growing up I never was I was a sprinter in high school I did gymnastics I was always better at the powerful short tumbling things and I don't know where that came out of like even for that Pendleton run it ended up being about a two-hour event and the most I had run I think that year I think I had maybe run one 10k at the most like I would run no more than three miles yeah And, but we did, I mean, we were training all day. So we did a lot of long stuff and a lot of like sled pulling or like Mm -hmm. just walking with the sled. And I, that's all I was thinking about when I was, you know, marching up those hills was just one foot in front of the other. So somehow it all works out, but I don't know where that came in. (laughs) I I have not done that much running since, but I think it would be, it would be really fun because it would give me something to train for. And yeah, just to say I did it would be a a good experience. It's cool, you know, and it's very, I think you'd find, I, there's actually been a lot of CrossFit athletes that have come out yeah. to do. I remember I ran uh, one in Omaha with Kyle Kasperbauer a oh, few cool. years ago. He had, he went out and ran he ran a Spartan race yeah. there. And uh, Tommy Hackenbrook, I think, has run. He ran some of the first ones in Vermont. Oh, wow. Up in, like, the big beast courses in Vermont. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. I know there was one in Ohio last year, but it was mm-hmm. the timing was just not good with my school schedule. So maybe this year, this spring, I have – Tons of time before I graduate. So there maybe this is my time to try it. <laughs> totally. Totally. would love to have you. That'd be awesome. Um, well, I want to finish with three questions that I okay. ask everyone. Cool. So the first one is three things you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. So this is interesting because yeah. this is probably something that I wouldn't, that, that has changed in this past year. Yeah. So now... It's, I meditate on a daily basis. Okay. And do you have a certain technique that you use or an app? I use or? an, I'm really bad at it. I'm really bad at meditating, but I just feel like if I force myself to do yeah. it enough, then I'll do it. I yeah. use the calm app. Okay. And that helps me a lot. I know a lot of people use headspace mm-hmm. too, but I chose a pony and I stuck good. with it. Yeah. They're both great. I, the greatest impact on my health. I actually, well, this is kind of funny, but I call my parents every week at I the same that. time. And I think that that really keeps me grounded mm-hmm. for sure. And then really it's more rest. Yeah. It's, it's more rest. And I never thought I could be one of those people that, I mean, I, I still hate rest days, mm-hmm. but when you're injured and you're forced to take for a long period of time mm-hmm. and you realize you come out and you're still alive and still kicking mm-hmm. and you realize, Oh, okay. Like there's nothing wrong with rest. Yeah. It's good for you. So that is so interesting. I wonder what you would have said a year and a half ago. I know. <laughs> I know. I would have been like long runs and you know, heavy weights and <laughs> uh, perspective. Well, I'm sure it'll keep changing yeah. every year as, as it does exactly. for everyone. And that's so funny. I'm sure my parents will listen to this and say, why don't you call us every week? <laughs> I mean, I try to, but it doesn't always happen. It would be, that's a good idea to have a specific time so mm-hmm. that you make sure normally it's when I'm driving somewhere and they're like out to dinner and I'm like, okay, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I was just bored in the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's a really good one. What about one thing that you think would have a big impact, but you're just not, you haven't found a way to fit it in or make it a part of your regular routine? I need to sleep more. Mm-hmm. I know that. It's what still... time do you go to bed if you're waking up at four? I am in bed, ju- well, by probably nine or so, nine okay. thirty. But it's not always, I, I struggle with sleep quality sometimes mm-hmm. too, and mm-hmm. like staying asleep. So, you know, it's, it's something that I feel like if I, prioritize more but yep. at the same time you know I, I like my I get seven six seven hours so but <laughs> that and actually I really need to and I at this point I with injury and everything I've shied away from heavier lifting mm. uh, it's just I don't you know it, it, I've gotten away in this past year mm-hmm. before that from from heavy basic movements heavier squats heavier mm-hmm. deadlifts and I actually feel like 
avoiding those has been somewhat detrimental in my total strength. Mm. And so trying to get over my fear of getting yeah. back to that. Well, it has to be really scary with a broken femur <laughs> right. to yeah. be thinking about squatting or deadlifting heavy. It's... Yeah. 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 So. Okay. Um, and what does a healthy life look like to you? I think a healthy life is being able to be content regardless of what, if one piece is taken away. Hmm. And so I think that that's what I've really learned this year is that a healthy life is that balance and perspective Mm -hmm. of knowing that if one aspect is taken away from you, Mm -hmm. one part of your personality, if one part of your life, Mm -hmm. you can still be fulfilled in other ways. And that's been the biggest thing for me to try and find Mm -hmm. this year is that it's not necessarily filling a hole that, you know, the racing that was taken away from me, it's being complete without that. And I think that's really important for anyone. It doesn't have to be taking away racing. It can mm-hmm. be, you know, taking away relationships, taking away a job, you know, right. and, and and still finding peace there. Right. So like really knowing who you are without mm-hmm. any of the other stuff and like being really happy with right. that. And just being, you know, being able to adapt mm-hmm. and to, to roll with the punches like that mm-hmm. because I think it's, it's uh, definitely needed. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I'm so glad we finally had the opportunity and I'm going to be cheering really hard for you this year (laughs) and rooting for you with your recovery. And maybe I'll see you at a Spartan race sometime this spring. (laughs) Tell me when and where and I'll come to that one. (laughs) Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. I loved hearing about how Amelia has grown and gained perspective through her injury experience last year. I know my own experiences of injury have taught me some important lessons as well. Let us know how an injury or setback in your own life has helped to teach you an important lesson in the comments under this post at juliefouché.com. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com, where you can subscribe to my email list. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please email me at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on the podcast in future episodes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget you can train with me by visiting beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché. I always love hearing your feedback, so please leave comments under this post on my website, juliefouché.com, and share your thoughts on social media with the hashtag JFHealth. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. Pursuing Health.